it's like a 500 pound person. No, we're not talking about Augustus Carson's. Don't lie, Kurtz. We, we all know who ate all the money. August, August, that's Schwal. Who ate all the money? We know who ate it, Tim. It's uh, that's actually what absorbed the uh, the inflation in the monetary system was uh, Augustus Carson. Everyone, this is Tim Pichot with the Liberty Advisor, joined with John Snice and Economic Truth. We are back for another Tim and John show. And right now, what is front and center for me, uh, more so than anything, and I'm calling this a perfect storm, is brewing part two. Part one was back in May of 2018. And if people can remember back then, I'm, I'm trying to remember back then. Basically, the Fed was setting up to, by October of 2018, to start selling $50 billion of bonds off their balance sheet. They eventually said they'd get their balance sheet down to zero. Everyone that listens to this knows they're full of crap. And of course, John knows they're full of crap. And Josh knew they're full of crap. We all knew uh, because we don't have Nobel Peace Prize in economics, which is exactly how we were able to figure out that there's no way they could do this. So come October of 2018, when they reached their peak of $50 billion a month, up, then the stock market started going crazy. And actually, I did a client video update October 3rd. And, every, and then it was October 4th that Jerome Powell said we're on autopilot and they're going to raise rates a quarter of a point every quarter. And Trump is still saying it's the greatest economy in the history of the world. And then, uh, you know, everything started going to hell in a handbasket. Then Steve Mnuchin had to come. But it was so obvious. And, and uh, you know, really anyone can go back to that podcast. Because the other thing was, I'm like, well, if we're going to be selling $50 billion of bonds a month, I'm like, well, that's interesting because... Uh, who's the largest purchaser of bonds? Oh, well, that's the Federal Reserve. Oh, who's the second largest purchaser of bonds? Oh, that's, uh, well, on any given day, either China or Japan. And at the time, uh, Trump was engaging in a trade war with China. So you think they're going to pick up the slack? And then Japan was, you know, the most heavily indebted first world country there is. So not a very great position to be in. And I knew that supply and demand meant that the rates had to go up. And then that was going to create a shock in the stock market. And, you know, from there, obviously, you know, they had to, you know, cut everything back and then eventually launch, you know, another QE that wasn't QE. Then they had the whole repo interventions that John and I have talked about a bunch of times. I know he's got more goodies on that and what may have really caused that. And we'll probably eventually do like a full show on that. But for right now, we'll just, you know, tease you guys with that. John will give, you know, some more details later on in the show. Uh, but then obviously as soon as the pandemic happened and, uh, you know, the stock market went down, you know, about, I think it was about like 34% on the S and P 500. Then we printed twice the amount of money that's ever, or not we basically printed 80% of the money that's ever been in existence with it was in a two year time span that essentially covered up every, everything. And that's why I went from like a 34% drop in the S and P to then all of a sudden, boom, you know, hitting all time record highs, all the risk assets and everything going through the moon, uh, real estate, you know, especially places like out here in Phoenix. I don't know exactly how much is it up, but it's up a lot. I mean, it's up probably 30, 40% off of, uh, you know, just the, the pandemic levels that it never, never went down for. Uh, and so if you take a look back at like Germany in 1910, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're not too, lots of uh, similarities, I guess, with Germany and, you know, show us the papers and all that sort of stuff. But if you take a look at like what's going on, and I'll let John speak at some point here, but it's just like setting all this stuff up. There's some papers. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, this is the actual uh, hyperinflation in Germany, by the way. I just had it right in front of me. <laughs> yep. And I just happen to have the money gun up, oh, but uh, no, we got we to jam. No, the printing presses are jammed. We printed too, we printed too oh, much money. Oh, oh. <laughs> Woo! Woo! There we blew, blew too much of a wad over the past. Uh, 14 years and now oh, you needed the ECB, you know, you were the Fed, I, I was the ECB there, and then uh, you know, we gotta 
there's some cooperation when it comes to monetary uh, policy, or it shouldn't be called monetary policy, but just monetary printing. Uh, they don't they don't physically print currency. And that's but actually a good point you brought up because as soon as yeah. the Fed stopped printing money, and I think the dude off the top of my head here it was like October of 2014. Then all of a sudden the ECB started picking up, and the Bank of Japan started picking up massively, yeah. and it was a giant like uh, hot potato. And then the pandemic gave cover for all the central banks to basically rob the world. Somebody once said, if you want to buy a bank, wait, if you want to buy, if you want to rob a bank, buy a gun. And if you want to rob the world, buy a bank. And then, you know, and then when you're at the central bank level, you're just dealing with a whole nother level of thefts and robbery. But, you know, getting back to the story is that if you're, if we were in 1910 Germany, I think their stock market was like 400 and like it went down to like 100. And then, you know, 10 years later, it's 27 million or 23. It's in the, you know, very high level. Uh, hyperinflated level didn't mean you're doing great. It just meant that, you know, that was trying to, you know, somewhat keep up with a high amount of inflation. But if you're holding on to the cash at the time, the gold marks, you're wiped out, red marks, wiped out the rice mark, wiped out the Deutsche mark eventually went over to the Euro. Um, and so from a financial asset standpoint, things would go really crazy, but it's just right now, I thought that the 400 to the 100 was going to happen in March of 2020 for doing an analogy. And it basically the 80% of all the money that's been printed, staved that off for essentially like almost two years. And now we're going to be March, 2022. And all of a sudden the fed might even surprise people with a 50, 50 basis point hike. Oh, big whoopty fucking do yeah. 50 basis points. When we got a 7% interest rate, like, are you guys kidding me? <laughs> I mean, Oh, we're going to get so fucking aggressive and let me go pick Jerome Powell to go fix things out. And I did catch a little bit of, Biden's press conference today. Uh, I, I didn't even know there was one happening or anything. Apparently no one else did because like CNBC, there's like 2000 people watching it live. And like, I saw like ABC had one advertised. There's like 900 people on YouTube watching it. And this is like halfway in it too, by the time I caught it. And so they were talking about the federal reserve, like the second I clicked on it and Biden's like, well, you know, I'm confident that Jerome Powell has got a good handle on inflation. And I know that the best thing that, you know, 19 or 17, whatever teen amount of con Nobel Peace Prize winning economists have signed on to my plan that the number one thing this country can do to get inflation under check is to pass build back better print more print money is to print more money we don't have to indebt our future fucking children is what we need to fight inflation it's like these people like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard and I've heard a lot of really dumb stuff so it's and that was like the second I happened to turn this thing on, I hear this bullshit. And so obviously these guys do not have a handle. The only way to get a handle on this is to rein in things and like raise rates to like 10% or something right now. And there's no way they're going to do that. Or do a Walker, uh, try to pull a Walker, but good luck. I don't think anybody's willing to do that. Uh, uh, in today's Federal well, Reserve, Paul like, Volcker actually is dead now too. So rest yeah. in peace, Paul Volcker, who was actually yeah. I hate saying good Federal Reserve chair, but in terms of he like, was a gold bug years. actually. Like when as soon as he got out of the Fed, he was a huge gold bug. But nobody nobody talks about that, of course. Actually, it was cut out. I think it was at the Council of Foreign Relations, and that part about when he talks great about gold was actually uh, cut out of the uh, YouTube friendly version. <laughs> That they put of course, it was. We've covered hilarious. we've covered the CFR with uh, Richard Grove, and uh, you know, yep. invite people to go back to that episode. But you know, the getting back to like the end of the story here is now what is different is that in those previous periods, there was no stated. Obviously, there was inflation, but there was no stated official 
CPI inflation. And now that they're seven, uh, what are they going to do? They're going to start raising rates. Well, the last time they raised last, you know, every time they try to raise rates, uh, you know, out of since the financial crisis, they fucked everything up and everything's gone to hell in the handbasket. And you think this time that the inflation actually is out of control, like 300% higher than they want it more than 300% higher than they want it. And they're just going to give it a few little rate hikes here and there. Well, there's the bubble is so big that you need a smaller pin to pop the bubble. And this could be, you know, the event. But the thing is, it's only going to be the like if it, bring it back to that Germany example, like if we're in that 400, like, like maybe we did like the 400 down to uh, 250 and that was March 2020. Then things went back up to five or 600. Well, maybe now they go down to 100 and then they end up going or maybe they, they're probably never going to make it down to 100 on a uh, like if we're doing like the analogy here, but it's going to go probably parabolic at some point because the only thing they're going to do the next time they're in a crisis is going to be print more money and we're going to have some sort of like hyperinflationary recession where there's no way you can print your way you can't print your way out of an inflationary problem and these guys just don't understand that and so i think that the financial assets minus bonds obviously in cash are going to get absolutely uh, you know, racked for a little bit of time, it will be good to be in like short-term bond, not given, you know, financial advice on this, because these are, you've got to understand like a whole multitude of information and timelines and have, you know, a certain amount of, you know, wherewithal to be able to, you know, have a plan, stick with the plan and do things. And so if you don't have that entire wherewithal and the whole background on this stuff, and you're just hearing what I'm saying and, you know, potentially piecing it together without having all the information, uh, you know, we do offer consultations not to make, you know, a pitch out of this, but you know, that I did want to give that story to paint the picture that this time is different, you know, check out, you know, the last podcast was only 15 minutes and I'll let John talk because there's no way the fed can accomplish this. There's no way they can get out of this without having to, at some point, start printing money. And the only thing we should be discussing is like playing some guessing game on what the excuse or black swan will be, or playing a guessing game on the over under on if it's going to be within, you know, six months or not, you know, is it, are they going to only bullshit us for, you know, six months starting from the first rate hike, or is it going to be a year, you know, let us know in the comments what you guys think. I mean, I personally, uh, no way we make it a year, maybe make it nine months, probably make it maybe six months. I would say like six to seven months. And then it gets so bad that there's like a smallpox attack or the grid somehow goes down or, or there's the war or probably the war with Russia and Ukraine is some exogenous event to then create all this. Maybe, maybe that if it were, you know, I, I guess I'm here, I'm betting on two different things of what will be the event. And then, well, how long till the event? Cause you see Biden like just the other day is like, Oh yeah, it's pretty much inevitable. There's going to be war with Ukraine. Uh, you know, we, we did talk about this a little bit, Scott Horton, but what do you I, think, John? Well, I, I actually would rather bet on a smallpox attack than, uh, or want that actually a smallpox attack rather than having you know a war with Russia because we know where Putin stands on when it comes to war with Russia. Then also like what is not even mentioned, Tim, that is also another catalyst, and 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 of course hyperinflations are very uh, when it comes to hyperinflations they're very. Um, uh, what do you call it? They're, they're very psychological. So, uh, you know, when you look at an actual hyperinflation, uh, there is uh, a lot of uh, things that has to come in place for that to really happen. Now, there's a lot of those, those different things that are happening right now because in, in checking accounts in the United States, there was like four or five trillion 
dollars or something like it just skyrocketed like 500 percent or something uh during covid because uh you had moratoriums on debt a lot of people weren't paying their debts you had a lot of helicopter money coming into the economy uh and so it stayed in the checking accounts mostly and hasn't really moved out of there yet and you actually have physical inflation already uh because you also had the helicopter drops uh you know directly into people's bank accounts so that actually causes uh, somewhat inflation because that money starts to then you know chase uh, goods and services in the real economy now if you look at this one here this is m2 velocity so this is how fast money changes hands now fortunately i don't have the 30s tim uh but i bet you the 30s if you looked at a chart like this it would probably be around like uh, like this here somewhere like in 2014 to 2018 Take a look at like, okay, so you had 2019 quarter four, you know, it's uh, it was going worse and worse because what happened was that all of this type of bailouts that were happening with quantitative easing, uh, all that it does, it basically, they buy up the, you know, basically an asset from the bank, then they give them a reserves at the central bank and it just sits there doing nothing. Uh, so that is what have happened. And, and of course, you had the massive quantitative easing, you know, through March, like when it when it really blew up there in March, and, and then the balance sheet expanded drastically. But what we're seeing is just a massive drop here to velocity, and it was ended up uh, all the way at 1.1. Uh, and then now it's almost down at that level again. Like it just the economy kind of reopened again, and it barely went up. So what happened is that these central banks have basically done this quantitative easing on a worldwide scale. And uh, the banks uh, basically got fresh reserves at their central banks. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was the Federal Reserve or if it was uh, any of the other uh, central banks out there. They bought, uh, you know, all forms of assets. Some bought real estate, some bought stocks. Uh, uh, there was, of course, bonds. There were mortgage-backed securities, which is, you know, derivative of uh, all the, uh, you know, you're talking about housing, uh, derivative of that. So they've been buying that up from banks that were basically bankrupt. And then they uh, took them over, put the, that on their balance sheet, the central banks, and then they gave fresh uh, reserves. Now, of course, that reserves would have, I think what have happened with those reserves as well, Tim, is uh, that has been leveraged as collateral potentially uh, to, you know, look at margin debt is, you know, near a trillion dollars right now in the stock market. I bet you it's uh, it's not as high now as it was just uh a month ago because of where the stock markets are at. Like if you go and look at the stock markets right now, uh, and then this is actually, so this is actually before there's, uh, there's no tapering yet guys. Like they're tapering the quantitative easing right now. It's not, they're not actually selling assets uh, at the federal reserve yet. Uh, and so you're seeing just to yeah, talk about buying. that. Yeah. Yeah. They're still buying. And, and actually I could, uh, I could provide some information on that right here. Uh, and, um, you know, that they're still continuing to accumulate. Is that the uh, cliff? That the, is, that, is that a picture of the cliff the economy is going to be going off of? Pretty much, background? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense because it's uh, it's not even a cliff. Like if, if there was a crater, I, I guess a cliff and a crater big enough would be uh, Mount Everest right beside the Mariana Trench. You know, that'd be a cliff big enough that it would drop off of. Uh, but if you, if you go here, uh, we're going to go down to purchases. As you can see, you know, they're still buying 
Uh, here, I'm going to pull away the submitted. Uh, and as you can see, they're still buying treasuries. Uh, they're still also buying uh, mortgage-backed securities. Uh, and as you can see, they still continue to do it. Like there's uh, a few days that they haven't bought anything. As you can see, it goes down to zero. But there's no uh, there's no plan to stop this uh, at all. Like they they continue to accumulate uh, just on a slower scale right now. Uh, but as you can see here, here's the here's the Fed's balance sheet. As you can see, it's been you know steady as we go. You know ever since that massive. Uh, intervention of, of quantitative easing, you know, went from four point, uh, let's see here, uh, 4.1 all the way up to the peak here, it was seven. So that's basically uh, $3 trillion that was just, you know, inputted within a short period of time there right after the stock market crash. And then you seen since that time, now we're up at 8.8, .8, almost 9 trillion. So we're almost 2 trillion uh, just within after that time. Uh, they had to, you know, push in another two trillion. So we're basically from the bottom here, Tim. You know, when the, when I, the repo market started blowing up, uh, it's about three point seven. So we're up uh, five. What is that? That's five point. Uh, yeah, it's five trillion dollars. Uh, they're up on their balance sheet, and uh, <clears throat> it's not going to stop. Like they they continue to they continue to accumulate. <laughs> <laughs> right now and and so is the ecb is even worse than, than the federal reserve right now and buying assets so uh this is not gonna stop but like when they stop though and then the thing is like they were tapering they were physically tapering when the stock market started to struggle last time but this time they're not actually tapering in the way that we believe like they they use the language and trying to convince people that they're tapering but they're tapering the, the asset purchases. So there's just less and less asset purchases. <laughs> so they're still going up. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, to me, it's it's pretty hilarious, you know, how these um, Nobel winning PhDs over there at the uh, at the Federal Reserve, how they're really, you know, doing uh, doing very well at, uh, yeah, destroying the, uh, the whole financial system. You know, now they're talking at the World Economic Forum. It's like, yeah, you know, COVID really, like we have the Davos going on this week, right? And and they were talking about, yeah, we really had the, the COVID-19 was really a pandemic of inequality. It's like, meanwhile, it's like, yeah, you bailed out the banksters. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's uh, inequality. It makes sense. But it wasn't COVID. It was the the Federal Reserve and other central banks and the governments bailing out the, the ultra wealthy. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. And one bank, and actually this bank is called one bank, one bank predicts <laughs> 3 trillion in quantitative tightening coming. Uh, enter Deutsche Bank, which forecasts that once QT begins, the Fed's balance sheet will shrink from 9 trillion currently to 6 trillion. And actually, then this guy then goes on to say yeah. that basically that's all going to be reversed at some point when they've got to basically start printing more money. Uh, but they think that the peak would just under nine trillion after QE completes in March before falling back to eventually approach 20% of GDP from over 35% today and around a third smaller than this peak, at which point will be around six trillion dollars. And of course, this is all purely, purely theoretical, even as Reed notes. His personal view is that the balance sheet will have to grow substantially again in the years ahead as the authorities are forced to use financial repression in order to make the growing public debt burden sustainable. We agree with this 100%. The only question is what crisis will catalyze 
the next explosion of the Fed's balance sheet. Even so, the Fed is increasingly trapped because while it may have no choice but to pivot dovish soon, in 2018, the Fed had the luxury of dovish pivot as inflation trended back down towards 2% and below. And so the thing that's different now is that inflation is 7%. And so there's really, you know, what other tool that they have? I mean, the, the one tool that they have is basically a 12 gauge shotgun to the face of the economy, and they're going to end up killing it. I mean, so it's just absolutely crazy to think that, you know, that they can just lie about this. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, the thing, Tim, is like they made it only 700 billion from the peak. Like it was 4.4, made it to 3.7. We didn't, and and what is that time frame? That's like, uh, let's see here, 2014 to 2019, basically when the ripple market blew up. So yeah, it's yeah, like I gave the example before that it was billion. like it's like a 500 pound person that lost 10 pounds and then <laughs> ended up getting to be like 600 pounds and people are like, yeah. oh well, the 600 pound guy. No, we're not talking about Augustus Carson's, uh, but the 600 pound guy, uh, yeah, that's a real inside nerd dork. Well, we all man. know who ate all the money. Don't lie to us. August, August, that's right. all the money. We know who ate it, Tim. It's uh, that's actually what absorbed the uh, the inflation in the monetary system was Augustus uh, Carstens. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, Augustus <laughs> Carstens is the head of uh, the bank of general manager at the Bank of International Settlement. And I think our, our audience, I mean, will kind of know who this guy is. Yeah. But uh, I mean, here's just a little picture of him. I don't know if there's any little picture of him, but here's a picture of him. And uh, oh, he's pretty his, small there. Yeah, for his I, Wikipedia I, yeah. page. So this is a good picture. You know, uh, the one that he puts on uh, Plenty of Fish or some kind of dating site, you know, when he goes on it. Yeah, I mean, the guy is like freaking like job of the hut or something. Actually, the, the very first thing it says, would you buy a dieting regime from this man? And it was about Augustus. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no. This is good. Would you bite him? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this beauty right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it looks like it looks like a walking Big Mac. Like you just, you know, robbed a McDonald's or something. I told like No, he ate all the money, Tim. Come on. Yeah. He didn't eat too many Big Macs. Now we were playing on, I guess, talking about, I don't yeah. know how we got into Augustus Carson's now. Yeah, but, we shouldn't uh, be fat shaming, Tim. Uh, it was more like inflation shaming that we did right now. Yeah, I mean, that guy has a better shot at telling you how to do a fucking Ironman triathlon and how to diet than he does turning this shit around. You know what? Maybe that's yeah. the best analogy right on yeah. the spot without even thinking <laughs> of anything. Like, I would trust that guy's dieting advice rather than trying to trust him being able to maneuver the way out yeah. of the situation. And let's also for, not forget that back in July, this fat fuck was telling people that, oh, we need to have central bank digital currencies because we want to have the ability to cut you off. And we wanted the ability to block transactions. So, you know what? I'm not fast shaming that, you know, I'm, you know, being an Italian New Yorker, I'm going to go after the juggler as hard as I possibly can when <laughs> they've got some fat piece of shit that's over here trying to enslave humanity that's looking like he's job of the hut at 400 pounds. So, you know what? How about you can look down and actually see you're drunk? Then you can start trying to rule the world and you can't even rule your own self. God damn it. I mean, I uh, shouldn't even be that guy just pisses me off so much. It's not even funny. Uh, but you know, anyways, like nobody knows about him, uh, you know, unless you actually. Oh, are... we were talking about going for. I know how we got to him. We were talking about the yeah. joke was that I was I mentioned before is like someone who's 500 pounds 
going losing 10 yeah. pounds and then <laughs> yeah. being 600 pounds. That's how we got to Augustus Karstens. Well, basically, basically Augustus Karstens is a uh, he basically is showing what is happening to the monitor system. It's uh, it's inflating, and as you saw in his old picture, he's been inflating with the monitor system and with with the policies that he has actually been on the forefront. Uh, promoting and it would be like if we were warning when he was 500 pounds that we're like oh my god this fat fuck is gonna die like he really needs to watch his intake somebody get him away from the mcdonald's and then all of a sudden he's 600 pounds and everyone's like oh don't worry uh last time i checked augustus carson's having the time of his life eating everything in sight be looking like a big fucking black well, hole uh well, it's like that my 600 pound life, but you know, like just, just but it'd wait. Be like if soon, people were judging soon. the health of the economy on how big yeah. he is, like, Oh, look, the economy's never been bigger. Oh, well, his, he's never been fucking bigger either. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was fat. Maybe he was a thousand. The thing is we're not stopping at 600 pounds. Now they're saying they're going to no. go from 600 pounds down to, you know what? It's, it's really not, that really isn't even the analogy. It's like we went from 500 pounds to 900 pounds. And now they're going to go down to 700 pounds, but then they're going to have a fucking heart attack and somehow end up at like 1200 pounds. And then the patient's going to be dead. And then we're all going to be flatlined. I'm talking, you know, uh, metaphorically here and the economy in terms of what's going to happen to the monetary system is going to go through the roof. And yeah, I'm using these, uh, you know, crude type of examples that were not planned as I have no notes in front of me to, yeah. to only illustrate that this little example is going to be a walk in the fucking park compared to what's coming down the road when the whole monetary system blows up and I'm not advocating any violence. And, and I actually speak of advocating violence to people that weren't uh, actually, I, I know two of the people who are, I know at least one of the guys who uh, just got charged. I shouldn't laugh here who got charged with seditious conspiracy. It's actually like a local guy who goes to, uh, you know, a lot of different like freedom events. And um, I mean, I don't really, I mean, I definitely, you know, he's was a big fixture in the Ron Paul type crowd. That's a whole nother uh, story about how they're trying to railroad Ed Vallejo. Like this, uh, you know, 63 year old guy that, you know, walks like a 63 year old guy that, uh, you know, he was going to lead some sort of revolution. I mean, they use there probably in case like Antifa or the FBI or the government were going to, you know, mow down a bunch of Trump supporters or something and then maybe having some sort of response. But he didn't even do anything with any weapons when, uh, or even was at the protest when all the January 6th, you know, insurrection was going down. And, and if he was planning an insurrection, uh, you know, I know him, like I didn't get an invite, like no one I know got an invite to any insurrection. So it's kind of funny. Not that, I mean, it's funny from the aspect that like, obviously it wasn't. And I mean, I was telling, you know, some of the people that were going there, like it's a big waste of time and, you know, Trump is part of the problem. And you guys are just like looking to replace like one puppet master with another puppet master and, you and they're not really an insurrection because like they don't want to overthrow the government they want to like literally keep the government like they literally want to keep the current government it's like the opposite of you know overthrowing a government and so and i had no idea that i was talking about that no idea i was talking about augustus carson's i'll probably do a whole video on that later on but you know we got people like jamie diamond forecast well, actually actually we will do a we will do a whole video on him because he's a part of the financial stability board he's you know the bis is the bank supervisory arm of the financial stability board so we'll we'll get deep into that and i'm working on a presentation on that in the very very near future yep and i do you know apologize for you know i guess going off on like on a rant there but it's when you can see this stuff coming and we've been warning about it for so long and like, okay, you know, we could have voted for Ron Paul and uh, you know, 2008 or 2012 or 
Uh, and then, you know, stuff still would have been hard. It still would have been a bad bandaid rip off, but now we've blown the bubble up so big, you know, we've gotten to 1100 pound, you know, patient over here. Uh, and there's no way that the patient can get back down to, uh, 180 pounds and start running marathons because the patient is dead overdosed and they're going to basically collapse everything. They can't, uh, the powers of it, the buyback for pennies on the dollar and then rent it back to everybody as we're all homeless on the continent or forefathers conquered like Benjamin Franklin theorized. If you ever allow private central banks to issue the currency and credit of a nation first by inflation, then by deflation, uh, you know, you're basically going to mess everything up. Obviously that was without. Yeah. No well, it was, it was like this video that I saw this fat uh, kid that was uh, really angry at the vax people. He said that you guys are taking up hospital spots because my dad had been seven times in the hospital getting different bypasses uh it's that same type of mentality right where uh the the economy is so unhealthy because you basically stuffed it full of you know carbohydrates and uh you know no good car carbs right like it's it's the worst kind of preservatives that you could find on the market it's like a you know zero point uh, like a 10 cent uh noodle or something you ate 500 pounds of that and uh it's not going to be good for your body because it's full of toxins on top of it. You know, like they're, they're also doing this monitoring, but then uh, there's more and more toxins building up in the, in your body system, right? Because you're eating crap and it's full of these toxic things from pesticides and so on. And it's the same in the financial markets. You keep on inflating the financial markets. It gets more and more of these toxic entities uh, and credit derivatives that you have out there. Uh, like mortgage-backed securities, like collateralized debt obligations, like collateralized loan obligations, like collateralized loan uh, commercial real estate obligations, like asset-backed securities, like uh, credit default swaps, uh, and all these types of uh, derivatives. Like what was another one that uh, contracts for differences that blew up a hedge fund there? So it's 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 all of these uh, different uh, you know toxics um, toxic. Uh, things that are building up in your liver and everywhere in, in the whole monetary system. Uh, and, and of course, that brings us back to probably, uh, as Tim said, we're going to do a big video on it. But uh, there was potentially something that happened uh, before uh, the, uh, uh, you know, September 17th uh, repo massacre. Uh, where you know interest rates in between banks and lending banks uh, the real the up. real ins the real insurrection by the banks yeah the real insurrection and and so what happened potentially and we're gonna do a big video on this uh, also going into deep detail on uh, what happened during the repo crisis who got bailed out and how much and so on and it wasn't you know like these small banks it was actually all the big boys uh, that got bailed out all the top you know most important banks. But we're not talking you know about what? Augustus Carson. So you said big boys. I just want to. Yeah, well, it's uh, actually Jamie Diamond. It's not very big. I'm surprised, uh, you know, that uh, Jamie isn't a bigger boy uh, over there. Uh, he must have. You know, let... I do. I do want to play. Uh, you know, I was, was going to go to. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, sorry. Let me just uh, finish this and then you could uh, you just get right into what you want to show there. But this is potentially what could have happened. And I'm going to do a lot more research on it, but there's a word that will come out. And this is actually, it's a look at the date on this. Uh, it was published on the 23rd. Thomas Cook liquidation wipes out travel company worth uh, 1.8 billion pounds just 18 months ago. And um, 
it was actually uh, 2.3 billion dollars in in uh, in uh, in uh, sorry 2.3 uh, billion dollars. Uh, but what it was, it, it was actually bets. So how this works is that let's say that your house is insured, right? Like you go and insure your house for fire or flood or whatever it is. But the thing is, uh, a credit default swap, which is, you know, actually it was the Blake Masters that came up with the credit default swap, Tim. And the reason why they called it a credit default swap and not credit default insurance is so they didn't get legislated under insurance, which is very strict. Uh, and, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission. So she actually created that whole thing in the 80s. I think it was 89 or something or 86 that uh, Blade Masters came up with uh, the master plan of these credit default swaps. But what it is, it's basically a thousand people putting a insurance on your house and then it burns down and thousand people has to get paid. So that's what this this potentially was a $2.3 billion bet that was sitting there on it. It was like the uh, bet against the uh, credit default, uh, collateralized debt obligations back in the in the 2008 crisis where AIG blew up or in the 2013 crisis where there was credit default swaps on a Greek debt that blew up in the, the, in the separate banks' faces. So it could potentially have been, and it looks like it was actually credit default swaps again you know, that also blew up. Like it wasn't directly what blew up the 2008 crisis, but it was what, you know, collapsed AIG, one of the biggest insurers and at that time. And that seems to potentially would have happened uh, again uh, right before, you know, the collapse uh, and, and the repo crisis. Yes. And, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the patient that's 1100 pounds trying to get back down to weight, you know, one of my favorite things, not my favorite things, one of my favorite quotes from CNBC is when they had the former Dallas Fed, uh, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, they said the former Dallas Fed president, uh, Richard Fisher on, and they asked him, and this was, I think, in 2016 or 20, maybe even before then, and they're basically talking about, you know, ending QE and, you know, what they're doing now to sustain things, and I'll give you his response because, you know, it's absolutely, you know, crazy that this was, that this was his response, but anyways, here we go, hopefully you guys can hear this okay the power behind the stock market? I think that power is running its course. I like to say that we injected uh, cocaine and heroin into the system, and now we're maintaining our Ritalin. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they were yeah, injecting pretty heroin similar and cocaine to the food. into the yeah. system, and now, and it's like we basically, you know, skipped, that was 2016, you know, pussy shit. Now we're at, now we're like at like fentanyl, and like carbon fentanyl and whatever, uh, you know, the kids have cooked up nowadays that might be even stronger than that. But, you know, it's basically like we've got like Chinese, you know, you know, heroin, fentanyl. We've got some kind of meth. I, I think we're in some kind of meth right now. Nano, uh, nanotech. I mean, I think fentanyl is even worse than meth. So yeah. I mean, I mean, some of that stuff that's like super, super. Well, actually, solid. Winnipeg, Winnipeg is full of that, uh, that crack, all that, uh, that stuff. And uh, we actually had a guy that was high on it. And and this this brings another analogy. Sorry, <laughs> me and Tim are all into the analogies today. But and for anyone, another and analogy, for anyone that saw John could yeah. go one show without mentioning Winnipeg, there we've lost that one too. Yeah, and, we've, and we've said the SSP. <laughs> I don't know if there's been any mention of Norway yet, but I don't want to take Oh, we'll see how I can tie it into Manitoba. this thing. But anyways, there was, there was a guy that uh, he basically uh, hijacked a... Um, a uh, fire truck and drove all the way through the city and hit a whole bunch of cars with it 
and so on. And that's basically uh, the people at the Federal Reserve, you know, driving in the economy, trying to do something to centrally plan it. They're driving this fire truck into the traffic and just hitting everything around it, destroying assets <laughs> and destroying, you know, and also the government, right? Like they destroy the whole economy with COVID. It's like that uh, crack crack addict that stole that fire truck and drove into a whole bunch of cars and destroyed everything. Absolutely. And so, I mean, basically at this point, there is no way for the, the Fed is going to be able to back their way out of this. There's pretty much no way at some point after they mess everything up that they aren't going to find some excuse to start printing money again. And so, you know, this is a very tricky period because psychologically, a lot of people are going to want to basically, you know, fold their hands, you know, give up, you know, move over to cash. And then the problem is when you're sitting in cash and then all of a sudden you're going to experience hyperinflation. Then at that point, uh, you know, thanks for playing. And, and that's why, you know, people are buying real goods. You know, we're even seeing silver starting to go up uh, recently. Obviously, Bitcoin is, you know, correlated right now pretty highly to the stock market and is a risk asset. And so once this eventually reverses, and it goes from the Fed having to basically, you know, say uncle and end up, you know, printing money again at, at some point, you know, I'm guessing within, you know, probably six months yeah. of stopping, maybe even less Then at that point, uh, you know, you're going to see the, 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 you know, the parabolic rise upwards. And this is something also I mentioned in a uh, 2018 interview with, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, Free Talk Live with Ian Freeman. And I said, you know, I'm here to basically document the ongoing financial collapse and what I meant by that is, you know, the Fed Reserve can only essentially save either, you know, the combination of the dollar, the bond market or stocks, and they really can't save all three. And so by trying to save the stock market, they're in essence going to basically kill the dollar and, um, and, and the bond market. And actually right now there's an article that pretty much, uh, you know, parroted exactly what I was saying, but uh, four years later and choose one, but only one defend the billionaire's bubble or the U.S. dollar and empire. And, uh, you know, pretty much already gave you the, uh, you know, the short version of what that all means. Just kind of running through some of these other, other articles here. Uh, Lyle Brainerd, pick for Fed number two spot, pledges to use powerful tool on inflation. We have a powerful tool and we're going to use it. Was it was just picked uh, actually uh, at the Financial Stability Board as well just recently. She's sitting at a top position there now as well. <laughs> yeah, and here's uh, here's a lovely titled article. If the Fed wanted to stop inflation, it would need to hike rates to nearly six percent, says the expert. And you know, I don't think we need to really read too much more into that. And I, you know, a thousand percent agree with that. I mean, what's this, you know, fifty basis point rate hike going to do? No, it's going to do nothing. And 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 see, like they, I, I think they're probably going to get to maybe one percent this time because there's so much debt around the world. Like how, how, okay. So you get a raise interest rate to six, six percent. Okay. So let's say it's at 0 0.25 now, like that amount of payments that you've got to pay will bankrupt you. And you just got to have an, an insane deficit spending. Uh, corporations will become more zombies and, and, and it's not going to do any good. Like it, it, it's just going to be an insane. And then you're going to have the defaults, but then, See, the thing is, it all comes back to what the Fed wants to do. And, and uh, Bernanke clearly stated it in 2002 speech that he had what the Fed's intentions are. And it is that of, you know, never let deflation win, 
basically. Uh, and he said that, you know, the printing presses will always beat uh, the pressures of uh, any deflationary pressure in the economy. So they're prepared to just do whatever it, it takes to keep that inflation going. Because if you get deflation, uh, everybody would fail. Like there's so much debt right now in the world. Like there's the like Canada is the number five in the world. Oh, Norway is number uh, uh, three in the world. Uh, and, and like there are, there's a lot of nations now where we're just privately 300% debt to GDP. Privately, that's not even adding the, uh, you know, the debt itself from the governments, um, of course. So just the amount of insanity and, and debt leverage around the world now is just utterly insane. Like there's never like, and it doesn't stop. Like it just keeps on growing uh, like crazy right now. And the thing is, it has to keep growing the debt yeah. in order to basically maintain the Ponzi scheme. And uh, speaking of maintain the Ponzi scheme, this is from uh, Goldman Sachs CEO. Uh, what's his name? Something Solomon. Uh, David Solomon. Greed outpacing fear in world markets, Goldman Sachs CEO says. And uh, I mean, it goes on to say the unprecedented level of stimulus ordered by governments and central banks, he said, has led to exuberance in certain markets. I think markets generally when i step back and i think about my 40-year career there's been periods of time when greed has far outpaced fear we are here we were in one of those periods of time Solomon's told the singapore event we were in one of those periods of time and generally speaking my experience says that you know those periods are not long lived something will rebalance and it will bring a little bit more perspective and give it and given it feels like inflation is running above trend <laughs> yeah like say that again chances are interest rates will move up and that will take I mean, who is this guy chances are interest rates will move up yeah they're fucking going up and they're telling us they're going up like oh I, well look at go and pull up the 10 year tim uh when you have a chance boom uh, the 10 year chance bought. right there yeah yeah look at Maybe that refresh it so it's not like where it was back <laughs> in uh yeah it's actually a two-year i think it's like a two-year high right now Basically. Yeah, I mean, a month ago, it was yeah. Uh, 1.3. Yeah, and, and it was basically right at the new year. You had a massive actually reverse repo position sitting at the Federal Reserve's $1.9 trillion, almost $2 trillion. It dropped down to $1.5 something. And then right after that, interest rates just started to skyrocket. Uh, and uh, like not, not if you go and look further back, they, they look like a tiny little blip still on the you know massive charts but they're actually starting to move quite drastically upwards yeah go ahead tim i mean yeah i mean the last time we we're in this position was in january of 2020 and so what they have to do yeah. after that they had to oh have like the like the craziest uh pandemic you know bullshit everything that's going on now is a cover for the system so i mean i don't know how they're going and i have said this numerous times i say this a lot in my uh, client videos that i do for them is that Essentially, you know, 3% in, you know, 2018, 2019, that was sort of like the danger zone. Uh, but now we've got so much more debt going on that essentially 2% is now what I'm, you know, now deeming the danger zone. And we're not very far away from the danger zone, are we, John? We're getting there. We, you know, oh, so it's, it's, it's uh, gone up a lot since you said that. You know, I was waiting. It would take a little bit longer to get there, but we, uh, it didn't take more than like a couple of weeks now. And uh, it, you know, it's gone up 0 0.5 basis points. No, sorry, 50 0.5. basis points. Yeah, 0. yeah, 0.5. So it's uh, uh, it's really showing that something is going on. Like everybody's thinking that the Federal Reserve will 
uh, you know, start actually tapering at one point and start to raise interest rates. And I think they probably will. Um, but the, the thing is, like, how far, how far will they actually get? That's another question. Did you? Oh, my God. I, here I am. I'm on Yahoo Finance. And there's like a Valentine's Day ad with two guys kissing in the background. I mean, I mean, I'm not like some homophobe or something, but like, can I even go to fucking Yahoo Finance without seeing two dudes kissing? I mean, I, you guys saw that too. Like, whoever. It's the new normal, Tim. Yeah, Fed, Fed Chairman. If we, yeah, we're going to get canceled for that one. Oh, you know, there goes YouTube. You know, can't, uh, you know, talk about two dudes kissing on there. I mean, I'm, here I am trying to look at a Federal Reserve fucking quote on Yahoo Finance and can't get away from seeing two dudes kissing on here. Uh, Fed Chairman, if we have to raise interest rates more over time, we will. Ob- oh, yeah, like, like that's going to happen. Uh, Paul Tudor Jones warns of major shift that will have serious consequence for the markets. And, you know, obviously talking about the rates going up and how the things that performed the best since March of 2020, in his uh, words, that he thinks are going to be basically the things that end up doing the worst going forward. And that's, you know, sort of like ARK innovation funds, uh, you know, pretty much to a T. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, inflation poses a major threat to job market. And, you know, these guys are completely clueless. I mean, there's, you know, no way they can actually like raise rates to any meaningful uh you know, level. What, what did it make it to last time? To two point twenty five? Yeah. <laughs> and then up from what? I think was was it zero point seventy five at the time, or I forgot where they went from, but it wasn't very far anyway. Well, I mean, this story tells you exactly what's going on in the American economy. It's the economy. Average American worries about finances this many times a day, and saying a new study reveals that three in ten people would get. Well, actually, I didn't even. I thought I was reading something else, but it says three. This is even more shocking. Three and ten people would give up basically sex for the ability to retire today. So I wasn't even planning on talking about that. I was looking for, I think it's one of these <laughs> things where I clicked on it, uh, talking about real that six to ten Americans yeah. agree that living through the pandemic has made younger generations smarter about the finances, blah, blah, blah. But it was something where I think it was like they worry about their finances five times a day. I think I clicked on an article that said something like that. Uh, when I actually, I actually heard on the radio as well today here in Canada that. I think it was like 50% has less than $200 in their account. And uh, and uh, most people actually are, I think it was like as much as 70% were worrying about actually being able to, uh, might have to declare bankruptcy in the next like five, two to five years or something like that. Uh, so that's how bad it is here. And, you know, and as I said, you know, Canada is number five when it comes to most debt uh, in the private sector. And then of course, Canada's increased their GDP. I think their debt to GDP, the government now, because they doubled the government debt from uh, $1 trillion up to now basically $2 trillion because of Trudeau's insane interventions. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just really versioning. And, and who lost the most? You know, oh, it was a pandemic of inequality. They're saying, oh, we're at the World Economic Forum. Yeah, it's because of governments intervening, bailing out all the rich people uh, together with the central banks. And we wonder, they gave a little bit of crumbs, though, you know. I guess you got some peasant, Timmy. Uh, you got uh, uh, direct deposits that you couldn't stop or something, right? Uh, you didn't take... Uh, did you did you ever get like take any of those loans? I don't think you did, right? Or I did. I mean, I, I ended up taking uh, one, of, it was basically, <laughs> one of them and being free money. Another one was like two yeah. percent interest. But I mean, it's the thing is like if the money's going to be weaponized against me, it might as well take it yeah. out. And, I mean, I did buy gold few, or something. Yeah, 
buy yeah, some I mean, good you assets. Buy, you can buy physical assets. Uh, I mean, and the thing is, I think we'll cut the normal financial part of the show now, and, and we'll probably get into some pandemic stuff yep. that YouTube doesn't like. So, if, you know, Zach, if you could basically cut this now, and for the other people listening to this or watching this on YouTube, which apparently we, I had, uh, I got my stats today and said I had no new subscribers last month, even though we somehow last month went from like two thousand nine hundred ninety nine to three thousand. So thank you. 3000 of you guys are out there, but you know, you really need to be listening to us on, uh, you know, we're just grateful that you're even listening to us, but you know, if you are, you know, going to Tim and John going to Odyssey, going to pitch shoot, going to float where I think it's posted on there, you know, I know it's enemy platform too, but you know, it's on things like, uh, you know, iTunes and, uh, cast box and all sorts of different places that you guys can listen to this as well. But, uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the regular portion P E P G. Not that that was like super PG, but uh, the stuff that maybe YouTube does not want us talking about they tube them, them tube, those tubes. But anyways, uh, thank you guys so much. Now we're going to jump over and catch us on the other, on those other spots, because I'm sure they're not going to like us talking about, uh, things like life insurance CEO says deaths of 40% among those aged 18 to 24. Uh, and, and this is non COVID related deaths too, I guess the overwhelming majority of this. And I, and I don't have the exact number, right? I'm sure it's price. Okay. Just to give you an idea of how bad that is a three Sigma or a one in 200 year catastrophe would be a 10% increase over the pandemic. So 40%, the article goes on to say is, is basically unheard of. So we're talking a three, so this is uh, what, like, what would that be then? Like a 12 Sigma event uh, that we're talking like something. Like, like is that, that an extinction event? Like a, age? uh, ELE, like uh, what what do they call those extinction, uh, you know, uh, asteroids that hit Earth or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's just insane. And actually, there was uh, I just listened to who who. Uh, oh yeah, it was actually Chris Martinson was talking about uh, data out of New Zealand that are saying similar things. With you know, an old cost mortality they call where basically it's just have jumped substantially and it was actually jumping exactly with the vaccination schedule uh, in New Zealand as well. So yeah, there, there's something going on there. And then of course I talked to people here, uh, some friends of mine actually that uh, told me that I think it was like four or five people around them. Like the, he's an older guy, he's uh, close to his eighties, I believe. And he was telling me there's like four or five people that he know that died from the vaccination itself uh, as well. And, and then, of course, you had, uh, who was it? It was uh, it was my boss's wife's, uh, oh, yeah, sister-in-law or something. And she actually... Do you want to get their address here or anything else to dox them? <laughs> no, but get, uh, you got to hear this, Tim, because she went to the hospital with, and she had blood clots. And you know what they told her the blood clots was cost from? Stress. Uh, no, no, warming. no, no. It was uh, smoking. And uh, the funny thing, she's never smoked. <laughs> Her whole life. And of course, she had taken uh, taken the shots. Uh, and uh, now actually she has some nerve damage and all this stuff that, uh, and she is, of course, like livid, you know, that this has happened to her uh, because there's like micro clotting happening. And that's been reported everywhere uh, by a whole bunch of uh, like top, you know, people that, uh, are not supposed to be talked about uh, on real news media. The, it's been reported ever, including on you know systems like VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Reaction Reporting System in the US and, and the Yellow Card Reporting System in, uh, in uh, the UK and so on. 
So there's so much problems with this, and, and not to mention this girl, a friend of mine here in town, uh, her girlfriend, she was an athlete, and she is now a paraplegic because of the vaccine. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's safe and effective, and and here they're pushing now. It's the third booster here, and well, maybe now now she can compete in the uh, para, in the uh, Paralympics or the uh, Special Olympics. So I mean, she doesn't. Yeah, have there to, you go. So since she wasn't born a man, she can't just go and uh, you know say she's a woman and and make things easier. So now she can go compete in uh, you know the Paralympics. And, and, well, when are we gonna see a, a woman trans you know winning a, a men's competition, Tim? Uh, never, unless, uh, <laughs> and then I did see that that one out of Pennsylvania, uh, Penn swimmer, like finally lost and they actually lost to a university of Yale sw trans swimmer. And so it was like one trans swimmer finally took down the other trans swimmer. Well, I'm, then, I'm uh, all for it. Like do what you want, but like compete in a right class. Like you can't just like go in and compete against women when you're built like a man. Even like, these weren't like, even like mediocre men. Like these were men who were like second in the fucking Ivy league powerhouses that then became women because they yeah. felt like it, like their senior year. Uh, and the guy who I first heard like report on the, on the Yale one was this uh, guy, Mike Slater, who uh, was like super standout swimmer, like all time greatest swimmer, pretty much like in like the Syracuse region. And now he's like a conservative commentator, I think in like San Diego. Uh, and I saw him on Instagram talking about it and, and it was actually the Yale swimmer and he was a Yale swimming, you know, alumnus where, uh, you know, dude was just absolute beast. And, but it's like, you know, what it's the saying that all of a sudden, like you can just go say you're a woman and start compete, like being like at D one fucking swimming level, you're like a heartbeat away from the Olympics. And then you can then say you're a woman and start, give, you know, just completely just dominating them. I mean, is that really uh, you know, anyone think that that's like actually good for like women's morale, but I do want to get back to this, uh, to this life insurance article. And I, I have not listened to this, but it says, so the CEO in his own words, they're mandating vaccines in the workplace and raising premiums in the lower vaccinated countries, because they are mistakenly guessing here. Initially, these premiums will change to higher vaccinated areas as the time moves on is my guess. And, uh, here we go. Is that we offer group life and disability insurance to employers. And we are seeing right now the highest death rates we have ever seen in the history of this business, not just at One America. The, the data is consistent across every player uh, in, in, that, in that business. Now, this is primarily um, working age people, 18 to 64, that are in employers like all the employers on, on the screen here. And what we saw just in third quarter, we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter, is that uh, death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. Now, just to give you a, a, an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a one in 200 year uh, catastrophe would be 10% increase uh, over pre-pandemic. So 40% uh, is just unheard of. And what the data is showing us is that um, the deaths that are being reported as COVID deaths greatly understate the actual death losses among working age people from the pandemic. It may not all be COVID on their death certificate, but deaths are up uh, at just a huge, huge numbers. Huge. Uh, we're also seeing a, an uptick in uh, disability claims. At first it was short-term disability claims, and now we're seeing long-term disability, whether it's long COVID or whether it is because people haven't been able to get the health care that they need because the hospitals are overrun we're seeing those claims start to take up as well. 
And for One America, uh, we expect the costs of this are going to be well over $100 million. And this is our smallest business. So it's having a huge impact on that. That those costs will will trickle towards other employers over time because uh, premiums are starting to go up. So it will cost more for employers. And most of us in the industry are starting to target and to add uh, premium loads onto uh, employers that are based in counties that have low vaccination rates. It's just typically what we would do for underwriting when you have a risk factor like that. Second point is one of our business. Oops. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you've got this huge, huge, uh, like 40% increase among, these are all gallus humors laugh, obviously, among people who, uh, you know, has really nothing to do with COVID who are, you know, dying and, you know, and it's among the 18 to 24 year olds. And then, you know, and then if you think that, Hey, we're a critical thinker here, maybe we shouldn't get the jab, uh, because it isn't a vaccine. It is, it is a jab. It's a gene ther- therapy. Uh, here's what your fellow Americans think should happen to the unvaccinated. And this was 48% of voters want a jab mandate on both employees of large companies and government agencies. 78% of the left supports Biden's jab mandate. 22% of alleged Republicans support it as well. Fines, 55% of the left endorse the notion of finding the unjabbed. 19% of alleged Republicans support this position as well. 25% of unaffiliated voters stand behind this. Forced house arrest. Now we're starting to get juicy. We're eventually going to be getting into kidnapping. So we'll just tease you guys with that. 59% of Democrats favor house arrest for the unjabbed. 21% of Republicans favor this policy. 39% of independents. Forced resettlement. 45% of the left. Forced resettlement of the unjabbed. And where did you hear that? The facilities. Japanese had their way with that. Yeah, but that was when FDR did it to uh, to the yeah. Japanese and to the Italians. So, you know, that was trendy because, you know, FDR was like a hero to the left. And he also, you know, had a Supreme Court KKK fucking justice on there. And uh, that's something that people forget. And if you guys want to go fact check me on that, uh, maybe I'll go pull it up when John talks. But forced silence. 48% of the left favor either fines or imprisonment for those who question the efficacy of the JAMA social media, TV, radio online and digital pubs uh and you know 14 percent of rhinos apparently favor that 29 percent of democrats want kids taken away from parents who are unjabbed seven percent of republicans okay with this and 11 percent of unaffiliated voters and uh finally here 40 percent of the left favor big brother tracking program for those who are unjabbed well they're already being tracked in the first place those uh uh, jab people because they got their vaccine passes. It was a big scandal here in Canada that they tracked everyone that used the uh, that used the COVID nineteen app that they had. So yeah, actually it was the 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 the, the, the vaccinated that got tracked themselves uh, in, in the first place. So that's kind of funny. Now this is a surprise to me because I'm up here in Canada where it's even more insane than that and. You know, here you got uh, Quebec just recently saying that they're going to tax people for being unjabbed. Um, and um, uh, these type of policies are just coming up more and more because you got to find somebody to blame when you continue to, you know, uh, inoculate people with this gene therapy and it keeps on not working. You got to find a scapegoat. And of course, it's the unvaccinated that are to blame. Now, here in Manitoba, and this these are unfortunately the last six weeks numbers. And in Manitoba, Tim, they actually uh, accidentally have 
removed, they remodeled their whole status reporting. They used to report uh, of the people that were getting, like actually came in and tested themselves that had COVID. They actually talked about like, oh, they, these are like, uh, uh, you know, unvaccinated, uh, one vax, two vax, three vax. They actually used to report that, but then they took that away as it started to deteriorate rapidly. It happened within a week, Tim, where it just flipped. Uh, and suddenly it was like the, the vax, like the double vax, are getting like severely sick because of, uh, you know, actually it seems like the vaccine is making the um, your immunity even worse off after a certain uh, period of time when you after you've taken it. So that actually happened here, and then they removed that. They stopped reporting that, and then of course they started reporting uh, unvaccinated together with one jab people, so people that have one vaccine. So to you know prop up the numbers so it looked better the that there were a bigger portion of people that were uh, you know partially vaccinated they like to call them uh, and after that kind of failed uh, then they've removed uh, reporting that in, in in total and so what they're reporting now is over a six week span this is the uh, this is how much have happened. So and and we're not even into that place where we could really see when when this really started to happen it's another two three weeks but already at this point the numbers are are out and and actually tim you're you're less likely as an unvaccinated person catching covid uh, here in uh, here in manitoba than you are being any of the jabs <laughs> so and then actually the, the now also the hospitalization is getting to that point uh, and then the icu as well and deaths so it's it's pretty hilarious, and then of course they came out that uh, uh, they have admitted to that people are getting you know that everybody that comes into the hospital get tested, and so they test people. They're with COVID. They have a broken leg, you know, at the hospital, uh, or they die in a car accident and stuff like that. That actually, me and Tim, I think both you and me were on that uh, uh, that unit of the unwanted. Uh, um, thing where Steve, Dr. Steve Jansen from Minnesota was at, where he actually uh, came out as a whistleblower saying like, hey, you know, they changed the way we report it. Now, you know, any COVID death is death uh, with COVID and not just of COVID. So like it totally rewrote that. And now it's finally coming out there in Manitoba that they did exactly the same thing as in, in the United States. Uh, and in the UK and everywhere in the world to prop up those numbers together with all this massive testing with flawed you know PCR tests, so they've been they've been just shown to like they use this to create basically case demic to then fearfully scare people into you know taking these uh, you know gene therapies that are actually still uh, in you know the uh, the initial uh, test phase uh, you know clinical trials. It's actually uh, for Pfizer it stops in late 2022 and then for Moderna early 2023. So. Yeah, but we're still not now. They're doing the third job. Actually, what was it Israel just tapped up and said like, yeah, this is useless. It's not working. This is bullshit. Um, UK just opened up. And, and it's kind of like in the UK, it was because uh, also Boris uh, was caught having, you know, parties at 10 Downing Street all the time, uh, you know, during the lockdowns and not following that. So I guess he tried to save his political career and had to open up the whole country, get rid of Vax passports and all that. 
Uh, Mexico just did it. Uh, it was it Japan is another big economy that just did it. And there's just going to be everybody to follow here because this scam is going to be looked through. The, the thing is, though, people need to focus on trying to, you know, uh, uh, come after the scumbags that are behind this. And we, we all know who they are, Tim. And, and they're the guys, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, created the event to one um, where they had, you know, a practice on a coronavirus uh, outbreak basically two months before it happened uh and then of course there's the people that you know worked on the gain of function research on these viruses with you know that fauci actually funded uh darpa said no to it this is according to this is actually documents that have come out the from project veritas that they leaked that darpa said no to gain of function of like corona back coronaviruses in Wuhan, but then of course uh, NIAD, uh, you know, and Fauci funded it. <laughs> you know, it was at Congress there saying that oh, we never like it's not called gain of function research. You know, this is what's called like he actually redefined you know what uh, gene uh, gene manipulation to make viruses more deadly would be like. So it, it's just hilarious watching these guys kind of panicking now. And, and also, you got to remember the reason why it's getting nicer now in the U.S. is because there's midterm elections, you know. we got to push, uh, pull back quite a bit before we, you know, hit them with the hammer again. Uh, hopefully that they get, get voted. But I don't know. It'll be very interesting times uh, in, in the coming year now, Tim, to see how that's going to turn out. It seems like it's going to be a conservative win uh, for the Senate in the United States. And that's not going to bolt very well for... Um, Ouchie Fauci. Ouchie Fauci. <laughs> oh, man. Just uh, never know when the stuff's going to end and just, you know, feel very grateful to be here in Arizona. You got your where... sexy voice, too. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I love that's uh, that's Tim's uh, sexy voice. That's for his uh, when he's oh. uh, acting in. Uh, he's a voiceover actor in porn movies, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> Lower. Joking. Is that uh, is that okay? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, I don't really have too much more to talk about. Uh, you know, I did flash on the screen where we had the ex KKK member made his way onto the Supreme Court, and yeah. that was uh, what's this guy's name, Hugo Black. Oh, so I should have known it was a black guy that was a KKK member. Uh, just kidding, he's obviously a white guy, his last name just happens to be Black. Uh, and that was FDR who put on the Supreme Court. And then also interned Americans, but you know he's a hero to the left. Uh, just don't let you know facts get into. Uh, what, what are they going to start tearing him down? Uh, I mean, imagine if like another person from the past had put a Supreme Court justice on there. Uh, maybe you want to comment on this, but I see supermarkets report report food shortages after Canada imposes trucker vax mandate. And uh, I don't know, are you seeing any shortages of of uh, food up there, or is it just starting? I mean, they're talking about like oranges oh. and bananas. A little bit. What you got to remember, they just implemented the VAX mandate for truckers. And that's actually both for truckers going in from Canada to the United States and, and the other way. So what we got to remember in Canada, all the all the fresh produce that we get in our store, about I think it's like as much as 80% actually of that uh, comes from the United States and Mexico. So if you then impose that mandate on drivers now, uh, what was a minor, you know, like we've, we've had some issues here. We have a lot of actually on our electrical side right now, Tim, we got uh, like I work with an electrical company and, and they're looking at like four or five months 
delivery on some of their big like we're talking about big aluminum boxes with uh, massive switches for services and stuff for big buildings uh, that they're you know really struggling to get even on my side there's uh, some I have actually I'm looking for a fire bell uh, for a certain company and they actually we managed to uh, talk to the uh, get to the company itself which was Edwards uh, they're called it's a fire company and and they actually told us that they don't have the commodities needed to build the fire bells, Tim. Uh, and this is the American company, uh, by the way. So there's lots of that. But I heard in Phoenix, actually, it was George Gammon has been, you know, he lives in Phoenix as well, Tim. Like, uh, you live close to Phoenix. And he was saying that there's massive, uh, you know, shelf shortages there with a lot of clean shelves uh, in a lot of stores now. And we start to slowly see it here in Canada, and especially with that vax mandate against uh, truckers. You know, Trudeau is just going to screw people over 10 times more uh, by then creating, you know, like when you take out basically in Canada, it's like 10, 15, 20% of truckers are vaccinated. In the US, it's probably like 30 to 50%, depending on, you know, where they are. Uh, so now you're looking at like taking out a massive amount. And there was actually big protests at our local border crossing here, it went all over the news, all over um, all over the world, actually, uh, that they had at Emerson, our biggest border crossing here in Manitoba, uh, where there were truckers just basically slow driving in a circle, like backing up traffic, going, going to the border itself uh, in protest for, you know, these, insane vax mandates that you know, have been shown on now they're giving up on it in other countries but it seems like uh they're just willing to triple down uh up here in in totalitarian canada but yeah it's i think we're in for some severe problems when they kick in that um uh, up here in canada like there's just the, the worst possible moronic policy and timing ever like we actually had like uh our highway, Highway 1, which goes from Vancouver over uh, to the, the whole western uh, part of Canada, that got all flooded uh, and actually washed out the main highway, like the number one only highway that goes from the west to the east uh, got washed out uh, in, in the in the Rockies. And it's still actually, I think it's still not you know built properly yet, uh, built back up again. Because these morons doesn't know how to build roads around rivers and, and properly erosion protect them, so we got that on top of everything, Tim. And uh, of course, everything's getting blamed on climate change, of course, uh, when it comes to that side. But again, it, it, it's just the government is in there, you know, putting in policies, destroying the economy uh, time and time again. You know, they totally have destroyed, like, put detonated a bomb in, you know, March when they started to lock down. Uh, and then, of course, there's been smart places like in in the United States, and and even even in like who was it? Uh, it was Nicaragua has never locked down. They're totally fine. Uh, and, and others that didn't do that, like Tanzania and other countries. Now, of course, they killed a lot of African leaders that was against it. It seemed like they're just you know suddenly died of COVID after you know severely uh, coming against uh, this vax, uh, you know the the vaccinations into their countries. And uh, of course. Uh, Tim in um, South Africa, just one thing, you know, they they basically have gotten over COVID with only I think it's like 25, 30 percent vaccination uh, down in South Africa versus 80 percent vaccination up here, and we're at a peak, uh, and we're not getting out of the peak. It's kind of stabilizing 
uh, and I think, Tim, that you know the the so-called COVID is just basically vaccine damage uh, that are happening uh, to a lot of people now that are taking the third booster now. Like it's funny, you see, like uh, I I had the chart actually. Let me just pull up this chart. I know we we're gonna call it quits here, but just one one little thing here that I uh, put together the other day, uh, and as you could see here. Uh, you could see the two charts, like here you got 2001 and see March, May, uh, they start to accident and suddenly you got like uh, late in um, where, where we at there, probably in August, September, it starts to peak up. And then um, again, in uh, like later in the, uh, in the year in, uh, let's see where we're at here. Yeah, this is the last year. So not too many vaccinated, but look at this, like it just totally goes through the roof, right? Uh, in a massive peak, and this happened in every country. Uh, but as you can see, like, uh, doesn't seem like those vaccines work. But as you can see, the, the third booster dose started to come in, and suddenly the spike comes like crazy. As they're, you know, like now they're at like 30 something, 35, 40% or whatever uh, of, of the third booster here. A lot of people are not getting it because they're seeing through the scam, you know, what's going on here. Uh, so it's it's good. It's a lot of good news, uh, but there are some very bad news as well that have been done by these governments, you know, blaming COVID. Meanwhile, it was them that actually locked down the economy and totally destroyed it to begin with. Yeah, no, I mean, I think COVID basically, you know, a souped up flu from last year that got rebranded and then they had to then, uh, you know, rebrand basically the common cold as Omicron. Yeah. And the real serious deaths are probably from the people that were jabbed, not from the people that, uh, you know, the unvaxxed over here. So, but anyways, I think without getting into too many yeah. more rabbit holes, you know, I think that's a good place to finish up. Obviously, I did flash on the screen too that England ends all COVID passports, mask mandates, and work restrictions. And basically, you know, people need to keep standing up. And I think it's not you know, a coincidence that, you know, here, I mean, I was never wearing a mask and going through and being like one of the only people around. And guess what, in my area now, I mean, then that then helps inspire other people. And I mean, now it's the point now in Phoenix where it's, it's so good that I mean, it's just weird that no one ever, you know, brings us some of that list to like, uh, you know, Florida and Texas seem like they get all sort of the street cred. But you know, I've been to both places. And I would say there's a lot less pressure here than there is there. And absolutely loving it out here. Love the you know rugged individualism that is out here. So I mean, if you're stuck in some place uh, that sucks in the United States and you want to go to the place that doesn't suck and you like hot weather, uh, you know Phoenix is definitely the place. Just don't bring any. Uh, obviously, listen to me. You're probably not bringing any bad politics down there, uh, down this way. And uh, yeah, it's very America type place. Love living here. Not to make it a commercial about Phoenix. Uh, actually, wait to move here because I'm renting, and so I need like the housing market to crash. A little bit uh to then jump in at a much more attractive price especially once the interest rates start going up and then move here uh you know to then help the home that i would then buy to then go back up in value would then be awesome so anyways thank you john for uh you know bringing all your dropping all your knowledge uh they can find you at the economic truth.org not sure if there's anything else you want to pimp but you guys can find us at tim and john show.com the liberty advisor dot com for you know information on all sorts of things and we do have i almost said covid we do have uh crypto iras which is actually a lot more exciting than having covid so if you have crypto iras you know you can get actual crypto into your ira not a derivative of it this is you know something new that uh it's a different way of doing it ever since uh but and it's the right way i mean you've got actual bitcoin actual ethereum in in retirement accounts you want to get ahead of what's ever eventually going on and yeah 
things might still keep going down for a little bit, but eventually the end result is they're going to print more money. In my opinion, there's going to be a hyperinflation of financial assets, except for bonds. And you want to be ahead, prepped ahead of time, the libertyadvisor.com. John, anything else you want to uh, leave the people with? Oh yeah, you're you're probably heading towards the Venezuela type uh, boom, basically in the stock market that they had. And yeah, but uh, anyways, you can find me at uh, the Economic Truth or as Tim said, you could uh, go and look up my books on Amazon or or even order them directly from me as well. Uh, and lots of reports. I'm actually uh, I have the Economic Truth report now that is out. You could find that on the website there as well. It's exclusively on Odyssey. I didn't care to put it out on. On YouTube, but also it's exclusively on uh, a free speech platform because that's what I support. I uh, I don't support you know YouTube. We're just on there to you know still have have a voice on there. But me and Tim, we don't care about it. So yeah, check that out. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, get prepared, guys, because it's just gonna get crazier as these morons uh, double and triple and quadruple down on their stupid policies. Yeah. Peace out, guys.